Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Star Wars universe is constantly expanding. So how the heck are you going to keep tabs on it without a holocron? And where in the rim can I score the juiciest news and rumors? Ah, you seek State of the Empire. Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast that looks for news in Alderaan places. We dig into the Sarlacc pit of the internet for the hottest intel in the galaxy far, far away, make Indiana Jones inquiries, and keep watch for the latest on Willow. Head to nerdyshow.com slash Star Wars. It's the show you're looking for. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To find out how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. They say that knowledge is power, and with that power you can change the world. But who controls those things in the lives that we live in? Who? Yo, another parent is gone, he left behind a son I hear the people that cry all around my home A mother's anguish, she cries when she sees a son Another soldier that died, never to return I lift my fist to the sky, cause it's not fair to us The way we die for our king who doesn't care for us Give our lives to a system that only process us Live a minimal life that's not designed for us They live so high off the hog that they got from us With privilege and lavish lives off the hard work of us Marching out of these fields that they will never see bringing back all the pain and broken memories like we were titans with locked out even bigger walls and giving titans to fight for the sake of us all this is not our house this is not our home we are sheep and cattle never more to roam i understand we were not created equal the separation and differences in our people our social structure that stands atop that steeple and for that vision we fight to all that's equal you and i we were not created equal Separation the differences in our people A social structure that stands atop that steeple And for that vision we fight to all that's equal Vindictive venomous lies and souls of my heart They alienated the eyes of a mother or a son Through wards out of their lives On a whip of remembered and love story goodbyes Destruction that at last of the story here and after Inside the show they sell Society once prevails with that vision of that heaven No ill that can't prevail On the thoughts of our lives and visions inside the veils Of titans that live in cells A mind jail prevailed and decadent in our thoughts I'm lost beyond the mail to live it without the kill And fruit beyond the label of battles that's in vain Slain across the labels of rotten in by products The leaders always watching with big brother in hands Instead of moving mountains and trust that's in the violence The youth is always naval, deeper side of the fruit of the apple that's always able Way beyond the soldiers and wars that broke the fables Right on top of the story, this world drafted in tables They'll never take us alive and live it within the feelings of soldiers and local guys Come on, walk deep inside of that matrix Trade the body that's shell in that cage within that fate list 
Come on. We'll never get it alive and live it without the feelings of soldiers and no good guys. Goodbyes. Make it burn from the ground to all is equal. Let us bleed as we fight for all that's equal. You and I, we were not created equal. The separation, the differences in our people. Our social structure that stands atop that steeple. And for that vision, we'll fight to all is equal. And for that vision, we'll fight to all is equal. And for that vision, we'll fight to all is equal. We're being crushed from inside while they walk on us. We're drowning deep in the sea and there's no air for us. Show us that there is hope for the slums we walk. And if we grind hard enough, that we can rise above. For all the love of our peers, they were not lost in vain. That they died for a purpose, their family's life will change. Show them more how to dream while we live out loud. Let that hope shine on down, rain it from the clouds. I understand we were not created equal. The separation, the differences in our people. Our social structure that stands atop that steeple. And for that vision, we'll fight to all is equal. You and I, we were not created equal. The separation, the differences in our people. Our social structure that stands atop that steeple. And for that vision, we'll fight to all is equal. Hello, friends. You are listening to Nerdy FM podcast version. I'm your host, Mark with a C. Nerdy FM used to be a 24-7 online radio station dedicated to streaming the best in nerdy music all the time, every day. And now we're a monthly podcast. The song that we opened with, that was something that, okay, we're like four episodes deep now. We actually hadn't gotten around to playing anything from this artist, and it was starting to upset me. That's IQ. And the song was Power of Understanding, featuring Osuper. That comes from an album called Walls of Maria. If you're an Attack on Titan fan, you've got to check this thing out. And you can do so at iq.bandcamp.com. That's E-Y-E, and then the letter Q, .bandcamp.com. A lot of other great material there as well, but listen, IQ is one of, you know, put nerd music aside for a second, IQ is one of the most powerful and dynamic live performers that you're going to see, period, in any genre. And the record almost doesn't really do him justice, but it's a good record, and you should be paying attention to IQ if you like nerdy music. Okay, we got that out of the way. You might be saying to yourself, hey Mark, why is this episode happening so soon? I mean, there's normally a bit of a gap between these Nerdy FM episodes. This one seems ahead of schedule, maybe. Okay, pull up a chair, folks. This is actually the second installment of a two-part episode that we did not intend to have as a two-part episode. In the last episode, we intended to learn about the early era of the Nerdapalooza Festival, as the first ones took place in 2007. And since the episode was airing in December of 2017, it was the 10th anniversary, and people like round numbers, etc. In the course of the interview with John Hex Carter, I learned that he wasn't present at two of the three festivals in 2007, despite having come up with a name. And this changed the course of what we'd hoped to cover and talk about dramatically. Hex used to be on Nerdy Show, and actually used to work on Nerdy FM, the radio station, with me around two years ago, so this was a bit of a surprise to me. I learned it mid-interview. It was also a bit of a surprise to hear Hex state that the 2007 festivals don't really count in his estimation. My understanding was that he's the founder, so I took his statement at face value, 
But it wasn't long before it was brought to my attention that this drastically downplayed the work and legacy of not only the people that worked on those 2007 Nerdapalooza shows, but also discounted the foundation of a burgeoning nerdy music scene that was thriving in Florida at the time. So we're here today to try to restore some balance to things. We're going to talk to Rob Tobias, who threw the very first festival to bear the name Nerdapalooza, as well as members of Magitech who performed at that fabled event. I'm going to mostly let them take it from here because Nerdy FM wasn't ever really intending to have a journalistic standpoint on this. We only intended to bring some information about the history of nerd music to the forefront, and it turns out that there was a lot more to this story, just this early story, than we bargained for. Everyone has a different tale to tell. But here's a few more sides to that fable. Now, I'll be dropping in here and there to play some music because we're a music show first and foremost, and we hope to return to that format as soon as flippin' possible. You'll also hear me dropping in to say some stuff because I was conducting the interviews, but I'm mostly gonna let our guests share their recollections today. We're already rolling along, so let's get to know who we'll be talking to. Rob Tobias performed under the name MCRT for a number of years, doing both acoustic and hip-hop music with some pretty funny sides to it. Magitech is a nerd-friendly hip-hop group that's been active for so long that I actually don't have a true read on their origins. That group is going to introduce themselves now, so you'll know who's talking when. Then we'll hear a bit of classic Magitech with the song Odd Entities. Uh, Seamus Oddish. Quartz Relic. And I'm Thugmaster Jack. An illuminating history bearing on the everlasting struggle for world supremacy. Fought between the powers of technology and magic. The world blew up in a thousand atomic fireballs. It took two million years some of the radioactive clouds to allow some sun in. By then, only a handful of humans survived. You can hear whispers in the trees. Who are these odd entities? From outer space down to the streets. Never will they seem to be a mystery. Will unfold, you'll see, a role we play in history. Dimensional rhythm with longevity. The expertise of these odd entities. Instantly, our essence abruptly interrupts the forefront. Injects new energy. Odd entities, well you might say, or at least we will hear as the beat plays. Making known the zone we hail from. Taking flows to get here through a maelstrom. Sun formed in heaven and hell, our will developed. Selling you our gold, but it can't be melted. Now know this seems was so ages ago, but we always grow. Now more than ever, remember the path on me. While I follow the future, yo, she's such a hot. Abundant in the crust, significant momentum when my heat goes way beyond Nintendo. Quartz Relic will storm the studio. Just the beginning of a new crescendo. So let's go kick this party proper. Beat driver, show stopper, dimension hopper. Skills increase exponentially with every release. The perfect sound is our golden fleece. With high tech spells and magical gears, complex melodies from different spheres. No need to fear, the results are totally clear. The wait is over, the time trippers are here. Forget what you expect, we're always undefined. Slinging tons of mud and you still outshine. Till you're blind and beaten, absorbing the tunes that we manifest in space on crimson moons. Thus intelligently geeks with a capital T. Got my crew mistaken. And they rockin' with me Whether violently or metaphorically I'm undoubtedly an odd entity You can hear whispers in the trees Who are these odd entities? From outer space down to the streets Never when they seem to be a mystery Will unfold, you'll see A role we play in history Dimensional rhythm 
expertise of these odd entities. <laughs> Possessed, play a set, get wrecked and forget the rest Stay within the confines, have a little foresight I'll be back with my skins, get the feet on tonight You saw something red hot, hot not Just look at yourself, yo, you got right How to explain it, what can I say? Begins with an M, ends with a K Wonderly infinities go Social links seeking out their multiple hosts No limitation to what magic takes souls No idea of the plan, just that the shit grows Fuck formulaic, we're fantastic You can't avoid a kid or ignore it Always looking for a new trick That's our addiction And we're never gonna quit 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 That shit Yeah, we're never gonna quit You can hear whispers in the trees Who are these odd entities? From outer space down to the streets Never what they seem to be A mystery Will unfold, you'll see A role we play in history Dimensional rhythm With longevity The expertise of these You can hear whispers in the trees Who are these odd entities? From outer space down to the streets Never what they seem to be A mystery will unfold You'll see a role we play in history Dimensional rhythm with longevity The expertise of these odd entities Magitech up to right now in early 2018? I guess I'll speak out on that. This Please year do. we played a couple shows. Um, actually, is a couple a lie? One show? Two shows? We played a show. Yeah, <laughs> and that was uh, Fantoku. Um, it's kind of been a year off. The year before wasn't too active either, but Jay and I are always talking about new stuff. Um, maybe 2018 will fulfill more of that. But there's a third album called Violently Fresh. And, and someday it'll come out. <laughs> Third album, but that was more like album number five. Album. Yeah, that's true. Or six. Yeah, like album five or six. It's true. <laughs> I have a tendency to not acknowledge the first two as much because... Did we rap on them? Yeah. There was rapping on it. I remember Sex and Space. Sex and Space definitely doesn't have rapping. <laughs> so early 2018 sees Magitech considering the possibilities of maybe they one day will or will not make new music while still debating the merits of shit that they finished years ago. Yeah, accurate. That's about right. And of course, what better time to introduce Rob Tobias and find out, Rob, where you been? Where are you now? Well, um, I uh, kind of moved around a lot for my day job. Um, and I wound up up in Tennessee, actually, if you mean physically. If you just mean, like, in terms of what sort of stuff I'm up to. Um, well, I kind of got married and had a bunch of kids, and now I'm starting to get back into making music again. And it's kind of nice. I kind of had missed it. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so it's it's been kind of nice to stretch my legs a little bit and kind of get out from under the, the old name and kind of explore some new ideas. And instead of just dick jokes set to a beat, I think it's uh, kind of nice to actually make something that maybe has a little bit more longevity to it. Uh, so what are you making now musically if it's uh, something that's not just 100% dick jokes, let's say? what What is the longevity? I mean, I'm taking a lot of like a lot of influences from uh, a number of different things, but um, the, the main, main thing that I've kind of been uh, focused on lately has kind of been more political. So uh, you know, obviously, it's, it's kind of a good good time to do that sort of thing right now. And um, yeah, so I kind of was like, well, you know, Rage Against the Machines is, is kind of like that's that's kind of. 20 years old now. God, I, I know I feel really old. But it's, it's kind of older music at this point. I, I think it falls under the heading of classic rock somehow. And, uh, you know, you got Prophets of Rage out there doing something similar to that, but it does feel a bit reunion Tory. Um, so I was uh, I was listening to a lot of Run the Jewels um, and, uh, and the Hamilton soundtrack, <laughs> if I'm honest. And uh, just, you know, a lot of, I was finding my taste to be a lot more political. And uh, yeah, and then Trump won. And then I was like, well, shit, I guess I probably ought to actually, if I was already thinking about making some music again anyway, and this is as good a time as any and as uh, inspirational, if you can call it inspirational, as uh, inspirational subject matter as I can think of. Um, I'd already been volunteering with uh, the Democratic Party up here in Tennessee, so I've um, been doing some work for them as well. Uh, my day job, I... Uh, I stare at numbers all day long, and uh, so I decided to stare at some numbers on their behalf. And so I was already kind of plugged into that scene and surrounded by people with more politically uh, driven motivations. And so it just seemed like a really good time to to tap into that side of uh, of my story. So what are you calling that that music? Oh right, uh, it's going to be released under the name "What Better Time." Um, it's just a uh, you know, I, I figure if if yeah, if Nine Inch Nails can just be Trent Reznor, I figure "What Better Time" could be just just you know, isn't me. Um, but I've I've got a lot of collaborators now, a lot of people who are helping me work on stuff. Um, I'm still kind of driving the boat on on a lot of those things, but man, it's just much more collaborative of an album. Um, you know, I've I've just kind of trying to take from where I can find uh, good influences and uh, put some, something together that kind of gets people a little bit more motivated. So um, I'm kind of leaning towards doing a double album. Um, I'm not completely certain that that's exactly the direction I'm going to go. But the ambition is sometime, um, hopefully leading right up to like the, uh, the election in 2018, I'm hoping to release a double album. Um, tentatively calling it War Songs and Anthems. Um, one half kind of all angry, you know, political rap, and then the other half sort of more protest song inspired. And those who've followed my careers over the years uh, know that I did a lot of rapping and a lot of singing, and most of that was funny. And uh, this album, I mean, it'll still have some, some funny moments in it, but uh, I'm trying to be a lot more personal. I'm trying to tell a little bit more of my story um, without it turning into, you know, staring into a mirror and jerking off. I mean, magazine is a rock, rock, rock. Yeah.
I 
track's called Suburban Herding. It's from Rob Tobias's new project, What Better Time. It's an early test mix, but that's not all Rob Tobias is up to. Let's hear what else is going on before we get back into the tale that everybody came to tell. It's kind of taking the nerd music world by storm right now that people are, are making music with their children, like the next generation of nerd musicians. And uh, you sent me something to play here on the show by uh, the Brown Notes, or the Brown Note. Is it plural or singular? No, it's, it's notes. It's, it's the Brown Notes, plural. It's uh, my daughter's. Um, my oldest daughter is Ellie. She's, uh, she's six. She'll be turning seven pretty soon. And then my five-year-old daughter, Ada, who is the vocalist on this track, and also the songwriter. Uh, she, she wrote this song uh, with me, and obviously she's still learning her, her instruments and all that. Um, but I played guitar and sang it and uh, with her. And she was, uh, I honestly thought it was really, really catchy. And so I've uh, I put it in front of people. It, it earworms really well for a five-year-old, like really well. So, um, yeah, so I really liked that a lot. And I was, uh, when I we talked about maybe putting some music on here, I was like, yeah, let's uh, maybe maybe get that in the mix here and, uh, and send that out to the world. Um, but honestly, you know, that's, I think you can only be so serious so much of the time. And so rather than, you know, focusing on, you know, gross out humor, I think I'd rather let my kids be the funny ones. And I'll, you know, I'll try to help build them up and build up their skills and teach them how to love music and love writing music and uh, love making it. And um, yeah, so uh, the Brown Notes is just a, a little project for them. Now, uh, the, the name, the Brown Notes, came about because pretty much all they want to sing about is making poop jokes. So I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? Heart, heart, heart of love, heart in your pants. Heart on your table, make you dance, dance, dance. Heart, heart, heart of love, heart in the trash. Heart in your stomach, make you smash, smash, smash. Heart, heart, heart of love, heart on your sleeve. Heart in your coffee, make you leave, leave, leave. Heart, heart, heart of love, heart up in your brain. Heart kicked by your foot, run it over with a train. How did your location, your station in life, in 2006, lead you up to doing some festival called Nerdapalooza in 2007? Well, I think it all starts um, sort of maybe late, even late 2005 even. Um, I had been um, doing stand-up comedy. Like, that was where I was performing and making music was a stand-up comedy club up in Gainesville. And I had gotten real tired of doing the same venue week in, week out. Um, I was kind of running a little bit dry on material, and I was like, you know, it'd be a lot more fun to do this material and not just burn myself out writing over and over, because it takes a lot of time to write a good song with a melody and a hook and all that stuff. And so um, making a funny song, I think, takes a lot. You, you can't just have the jokes. You also have to have the uh, the melody. As you know, I mean, you've written songs that I think kind of if not are actually then border, certainly border on and dabble and flirt with the line of being straight up comedy songs. Would you, I don't know, like, is that, that's not insulting if I say that, right? No, um, I, I think that humor is just one spectrum on the range of emotions that one can have, so I don't shy away from any emotion or feeling you can have in music. 
Right, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, the fact is, especially a lot of your earlier music was, like, you used it a lot. Yeah, it was easier to get people's attention with a punchline in the beginning, sure. I, I get where you're coming from. Right. Yeah, so the point is, I was doing, like, I was very focused on that. I tend to actually, uh, I have some uh, obsessive traits. I, uh, I um, tend to be very focused on whatever it is that I'm doing, and I tend to push it as far as it can possibly go to the point of breaking either whatever it is I'm doing or myself sometimes, um, as, as we'll get to when we get to the Nerdapalooza story, I guess. Um, but I, uh, I was really focused in on doing comedy because um, I'd always been, you know, I'm pretty quick-witted, and I've always been pretty funny, and so, um, and I also had a pretty decent singing voice, and I knew how to play the guitar, and chicks dig it, and so I figured, what the hell, why not, uh, why not make some comedy songs? Um, I've been listening to a lot of Stephen Lynch, and I realized, you know, you can actually make a comedy song that isn't just going out and doing a stupid voice and, you know, making some really lame, you know, low-effort punchlines, you can actually do something kind of cool with it. Um, not that all my stuff was always high effort, but like it was, uh, it was an ambition. Um, so I was doing a lot of stand-up and uh, realizing that the amount of effort that I was putting in, um, I couldn't maintain the pace of doing like two to three new songs a week, week in, week out, new material. Because when, when I had something that was really good, like it was like I wanted to sing it a lot. I wanted a lot of people to hear it. So I started doing um, shows outside of town. And I would, uh, I did a couple tours just uh, up and down the coast of Florida, um, kind of, you know, just the Palm Beaches and Miami. And uh, eventually, when I started looking at Orlando, um, I had been getting into the nerd music thing. I mean, I, I heard MC Chris on the radio, and I was like, oh, this is kind of, this is kind of different. And so I started poking around, and I found the Rhyme Torrents board, uh, where they were putting together a compilation album. Now, at that point, I was not really looking to get super involved. Um, oh, I should also probably throw Crondor crew into this story as well, too. Um, that would be uh, Aaron and Kyle. Uh, they were um, a band that I had a mutual friendship uh, with Nina Tally, who was also, would eventually go on to become one of the, the big wigs at Nerdapalooza. Um, and uh, Nina introduced me to Crondor crew. Uh, God, that might've been as far back as like 2003. 2004. So there were roots in this scene. I mean, this wasn't just an overnight message board thread that got out of control. No, God, no, no. I honestly, the big thing was um, I liked doing stand stuff with my guitar, and I got real tired of only working with comedians. And that was the other thing, too. I have this, I had like an album worth of material. You know, I could, I could do like a 45-minute, hour-long set worth of material without a whole lot of hassle. And so... When you're doing a stand-up show with like a dozen other comics, you don't get that kind of time. So it's kind of neat to be able to do shows in more cities with bands as well, so that I could be a little bit of something different. And so, um, in the course of looking for bands to tour with, I started. I hooked up with Crondor Crew. We did a show in Gainesville that went really, really well. Um, we eventually reached out to um, a band that we heard on uh, the Ron Torrance board that was in Florida called Emergency Pizza Party that I think probably everybody who listens to this podcast probably has at least some passing familiarity with them. Um, and so uh, me, as my solo act, and uh, EPP and Crondor crew, we all worked together. Uh, we... Um, we, I wound up just kind of goofing around and making some, trying to come up with something on the fly with Condor crew at one point. And they just kind of were like, well, you know, if we're going to do a song, you should, you should rap. 
You should do some rap songs. And EPP, you know, also was like, yeah, you should, yeah, definitely. I mean, Mike, MC Reaction in particular, he was sort of a rap evangelist. He would try to get people to, to, to jump on tracks who had no particular experience <laughs> yeah. with rapping. And uh, you, yeah, you've experienced this, I think. Yeah, see. for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so he kind of uh, got me to catch the bug. Um, I did a track called uh, for Song Fight called um, Get a Life, and um, so yeah, I just wound up with that was with EPP, and uh, so yeah, I just kind of wound up hanging out with Emergency Pizza Party a lot and uh, doing shows with them eventually. Um, so you know, me and Crown Crew and EPP, and eventually Magitech as well would join that group. Um, and we ran into other bands just everywhere we would go. Like we'd say we're going to put together a show and we would like promote and we'd run into new bands and we'd meet like Ultralaser and Bushido Stylus and uh, Funky 49 of course had a solo project but was also a part of uh, EPP. And um, there's a band down in Tampa called The Legend Of that was like this like punk rock influenced sort of weird proto metal. But they were awesome. They were so much fun to play with. And so I just realized there's so much talent down here. We should put together a big show. And before we hear a little bit more about the roots of that big show, especially some input from the members of Magitech, let's hear Emergency Pizza Party with Dogs Are Weird. It's a track you can get at their band camp. Just Google it. You'll find it. And uh, then we're going to hear Funky 49 doing Star Blazer. Or maybe slightly cooked I don't care, I'll eat it straight off the hook I'll buy a book on how to serve fish meat Wrapped in seaweed with cream cheese, please I like smoked salmon cause it's slightly raw I'll eat sushi in the summer or the fall Winter or spring, I want the cream cheese creamy Give me red tuna and make it sashimi If I could get sushi as a pizza topping My LOL money is what I would be dropping Barbecue eel, I want it for real It's my favorite part of any I'll seal the deal with a little wasabi Eating with chopsticks, my number one hobby Tempura, tuna, snapper, salmon, squid, roll you And if I could, I would even eat Cthulhu Just like Rection, I like sushi too, but I prefer pasta. I'm, I'm Italian, Italian dude. dude. Fettuccine bow ties, linguine and penne. Undercooked a little, al dente. Marinara alfredo, vodka pesto. These are some that I consider best, yo. Mamma mia, can you believe it? I've even had pasta on top of pizza. Yummy in my tummy, it's the perfect combo. But nothing beats it when you throw in a beer, though. How could I forget to mention calzones? I was eating these. Before I had a cell phone, I guess I just like Italian food in general. Eating it while watching Comedy Central. Waiting for Futurama to return to the air. But for now, I'll relax and eat some angel hair!
take my meds today. Many pills a day keep my brain well fed, not angry. No mental disorder, no need to be scared, okay? Betty's just learning with fun, like cow guns will take you away. When I have to choose though, I like to eat meat. I'm no vegetarian, vegetarians can walk the street. You know, kinda like a hooker? I think this is really funny to me. Hookers and suck-offs crack me up seriously. I don't think I would want one over for dinner though. Cause they might try to steal my money and take all my stuff, you know? I just wanna watch a movie or my computer screen glow. And they'd be like, get nasty, I'd call him a hoe. I don't wanna get tough with them like a pimp. Even though I learned from the best watching syrups limp wrist. Slapping Rection around like his little bitch. But they cuddle after eating a nice huge manly sandwich. Some 
Rapping your face off from out of space Yeah, I'm nice, so make me tell you twice Black hole, white hole, mic control uh, at the end of 2006, this scene that I was made aware of, and then uh, Seamus and Doug Nasta J here as well, uh, right after, was actually through Rob Tobias and Krondor Crew, uh, Shinobi and Master Rao. Uh, we crossed paths with him in Port St. Lucie, uh, Rob Tobias doing some shows there, and then we came, or I came to Gainesville with Krondor Crew, and uh, it was really the tail end of 2006 that he was like, check out this nerdcore forum. What is nerdcore? Well, it's this kind of nerd music. Largely centered on hip hop, which was what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, just the idea of the forum and all of what these people were doing, very DIY, grassroots was really awesome and inspiring. And we've been doing our Magic Tech thing uh, for quite a few years at that point, and yeah, it just kind of boosted us. But that was the tail end of 2006, and things that were going on, we kind of relied upon forums to always a uh, time capsule. With um, with Rhyme Torrents, they had kind of this really, I mean, it's called the Rhyme Torrents boards because there were these compilation mixtapes that would come out once every, you know, several months. Usually it was once every six months to seven months. But it had to be original content made by artists. And the guy who ran the forum, a guy by the name of High C, he would take these compilations, throw them all together, put them on a mixtape, and then make it available for everybody to download. And sometimes those mixtapes had people on there like MC Frontalot, uh, Whitey Cracker, uh, MC Lars. And MC Router was and, a big one. MC Router was a big one at the mm -hmm. time. Um, but we ended up on, was it the 2006 mixtape that you put uh, something from Distorting Reality on? Or was it later in 2007 and 8 that we finally started getting our first push on that as Magitech? On it, the was, it was 2007. Though I think, I had to look into it a bit after the fact, but I think most of the Rhyme Torrance compilations came out sometime in 05 and mostly in 06. Yeah, from my like understanding, five or six of them. from my understanding, I see put out like a bunch of them, like every couple of months there was one per the first five. And then there was like a big delay for the sixth one. So. I, we that, were on the sixth one, right? Uh, yeah. I think the interim. Yes, we were with Skyscraper. Skyscraper, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Crondor Crew had. Um, I played D and D, I think. No, Death Machines, one of the two, and then Magitech and Crondor Crew did Skyscraper. But that's those, right. but those compilations were where we started to actually interact with a lot more of the nerdcore uh, hip hop artists that were online. Rhyme Torrance was kind of the hub for everybody to come together and kind of see what everybody else was doing. Um, that's where we first ran into like Mega Ran Online and a bunch of other people that have now become really huge and big, they kind of all cut their teeth on this BBS board, which mm -hmm. was equal parts awesome, equal parts hate, troll-filled rage, um, but it was... I'd say was... more of that came later. It wasn't a whole lot of that at the time. <laughs> yeah, at the time, 07. there had to be X amount of love going on to even get these shows on the ground and to get mm -hmm. uh, off the ground and to get people uh, at the clubs, butts in seats. The end of 2006, like I'd already mentioned, you know, it's just, I, I mentioned how Chronic Crew Magic got exposed to it, but EPP were the thing in Florida to the... Um, to the Rhyme Torrance boards. They were this particular Florida-based act, and we all know the members for the most part, but uh, mm -hmm. doing their things and being like, look, we are actually a super group. We're not just one or two people. We are doing a hip hop, I, I don't know if this would be a comparison, but like Wu-Tang is just like, here's a big collaborative effort kind of thing. Um, and they played CES 2006, I'm pretty sure, yeah, and that I was see, a pretty wild thing. He got them into I see actually got them to CES in Las Vegas, and that's where they got a little bit of traction. And there was an article in Wired mm -hmm. about uh, about the Rhyme Torrance boards and nerdcore hip hop in general. And of course, they interviewed other members, like other people, like again Whitey Cracker, uh, in that article. And it became like this kind of 
online scene. That's like what we consider like the first, the end of the first wave going into the second wave of nerdcore. And as 2006 ended and 2007 kicked in, um, other artists in Florida in particular uh, discovered each other uh, through these boards. And this group uh, called RPG, Rocket Propelled Geeks, mm, yeah. they had a house out in Port Orange. And early in the year, they're like, hey, we're having a party. Anybody from the Rhyme Torrance board that wants to show up, come out, hang out. We have the entire house for the weekend. It was uh, a- middle of April. And it, that was my first real exposure to uh, to coming out and enjoying and, and finding the community. people in real life. Yeah. Um, actually said, "Hey, I'm going to this thing. This guy from California is flying out just to be at this party." <laughs> Lo and behold, it was Chozo Nimpo who was flying out from California, and he was kind of the Rhyme Torrent's major troll. So everybody from Port St. Lucie who was all kind of like heated up over his comms were like. Yeah, we're gonna go out to this Port Orange party and fight this guy, you know, hip hop style, you know, rap battle him. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the intention. But when we got there, everybody at that we're party, super chill and just so happy to be like, we're all involved in this unique in this phenomenon. community. And we actually sat down, recorded a song with like, gosh, I guess it was like 12 or 13 people on it by the end. Uh, <laughs> it'll never come out. I, I think I think a few people have like. Oh, I've got it. Yeah, a lot of us have the MP3. I've got it. Uh, uh, versions of it. <laughs> but the SM does not have that MP3 <laughs> in the library. That's it, why you're not hearing it today. It, it's it's a really rough thing, but it was just, let's all get together, write some music, uh, drink, have a great time, and that level of solidarity is what kind of brought what was kind of a Florida. multi-faceted thing to focus in on Florida because Florida seemed like it had, you know, for lack of a better word, it's shit together in terms of house parties, having good fun. Uh, RPG in their house had a recording studio, an actual recording studio. They converted a garage into this. Well, I was, uh, just to interject here, it's very related to what you're describing. It's funny because um, Whitey Cracker, Friend of Lot, there were already established of a couple of years actually been putting out their independent nerd music for a while at that point. Um, and the community was sh- not strictly, but almost entirely online. Sure, a couple of these people crossed paths, played shows together and partied, but Florida, as you just described, had this thing of like, guess what? We're going to do this. Uh, we've had a couple shows already, and this party thing happened together. So we wanted anybody to come out, or RPG did, but it was the first established, like, physical, like, tangible, like, group thing. We're about halfway through the episode, but I do want to jump in just for a moment here because, well, there's other stuff going on. It's not just all nostalgia all the time. But remember earlier when I was talking to Rob Tobias and I said, hey, there's this thing that's happening in nerd music where some established artists are starting to make records with their kids? Here's an example of that. Steven Davies from Illbots, he just did a new project with his son. The band's called Knuckleheads, with a Z, and here's their track, Hyperactive, and that's going to be followed with brand new stuff from Word Burglar, who actually performed at Nerdapalooza 2008. His track is called If It Rhymes, It's Real. And then we're going to get back into the recollections of the members of Magitech and Rob Tobias on the origins of the Nerdapalooza Festival. Tell me about your childhood. In the old dirty dead end, yo We got my game to Candyland and shoot some ladders, yo We come up with a kid, hop to make you cry 
heard the knuckleheads was soft. No, you did not. One kid rapper living off, she's a cracker signing autographs. Sometimes we're able to get backwards. We make you jump, but we're chilling at the playground. Continuing the style that the 90s youngest laid down. No clowns. No pennywise of all the mic, five years old learning to flow. Well, when you had to wear that black. Yeah, from her shoes, never messing with the shoestrings. When he was one, his first word was Wu Tang. And now we do things to make the crowds go bananas. From up north all the way down to Atlanta. You found the code to the game and cracked it. And when we're on stage, we're We fly, making your girls cry. Like they got shampoo in their eyes. Oh, that's right. It's selling out unless we get a call for Sprite. Or, or maybe Lego, but the price gonna be bigger. Word to Jigga. Me and Daddy wanna own minifigures. We're doing things to make the crowd say incredible. We said to go bananas because we, we don't, don't like vegetables. vegetables. We found the code to the game and cracked it. And when we on stage, we're hyperactive. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's where burger lie. Not a man to hug and kiss, but a name you can't forget, like uh, Rance Mullenix. Getting stupid. You can't believe how dumb it is, like asking what the $5 rap show cover is. Huh? They say, Berg, you're insane, cause rhymes keep hurling from my brain like a hurricane. That's why my hat's always turned away, cause it's the first I'd ever heard every crazy verse I say. Hey, I stay woke, like I got a newborn, to get you off of your feet, like a shoehorn. 
See, I just wanna bring you up like an elevator. Not down like a, also an elevator. Although I'll tell you later, like postscript. P.S. I love you. Yo, don't forget, could never be too clever for my own good. Cause being too clever is how I sell my own goods. If it rhymes, it's real. The style's all mine, I never signed a deal. With lines so sublime and divine, you kneel. Get them in ya, tell me how fine you feel. Cause if it rhymes, it's real. I'm the kind of guy you wanna drive behind the wheel. When it comes to serving flavor of the finest meal, uh, if it rhymes, it's real. I love my rhymes, I know everyone is great That's why when I say them I enunciate They're fun to make I'm talking no facsimile So I harbor it like a Halifax simile Aw, shucks, like oysters My favorite Star Trek theme song, Voyagers You Voyager, up to his old tricks And word currency, yeah, got a lot of gold bricks So sick, so when it comes to the dope quotes You can't complain, like people who don't vote Yo, yo, you know the verse is valid Even if I make it weird, like dessert for salad I love Haddock, like the captain from Tantan Laughing in a full Nelson <laughs> To keep packing the house like hoarder storage You want a healthy breakfast? Order porridge Cause if it rhymes it's real The style's all mine, I never signed a deal When lines so sublime and divine you kneel Get them in ya, tell me how fine you feel Cause if it rhymes it's real I'm the kind of guy you wanna drive behind the wheel When it comes to serving flavor of the finest meal if it rhymes, it's real. We're birds. Keeping it real. to our stories already in progress and what's really funny about that is that that uh, dork party as it was called um actually took place a week before magitech's first live performance so it was one of those things of not only did the party end you know we all went home on sunday but for a lot of the guys that we saw that we're going to perform with them next week emergency pizza party and uh, i think funky 49 performed he wasn't mm-hmm. at the at, the, at that party uh, but Cronder crew, we're all going to get together in Fort Pierce at a place called the Atomic Garage, which Rob had set up the show for with uh, with Aaron. And they ended up, a lot of those guys from RPG ended up coming down to Port St. Lucie to show solidarity. So it wasn't just the performers there. It was also these other guys coming in and being like, oh, man, you're doing this music. You're doing it so well. Our first performance. And we're like kind of blown away by the amount of love that we're getting back from yeah, just for artists. doing it yeah and that i think really pushed us into trying as magitech into trying to hone up our performance mm-hmm. and, and our, our live ability to... and live like uh direction yeah and it, it's and but i think at, at that point at the atomic garage that during those two weeks i think everybody like kind of got on board with it because not too long after that rpg rocket propelled geeks also decided Let's do our first live show as well at a convention down in Miami. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, I think. Florida Supercon. Supercon. Florida July. Supercon. Did you come with me to that? Yes, or? I did. Yeah. And we came. We came. We we decided they came to our show. We're going to go to this show. And again, that was one of those things where it didn't matter how far. So we were in Florida. 
All right, so let's start played there. We were blown away, and I don't know if we told Rob or Robin's aware or how this happened <laughs> later on for Nerdapalooza 2007 Southeast, Napsy 2K7, but uh, Select start playing there and then seeing them earlier that I, year. I had I, Select start had been around for a little while before mm -hmm. that. I had seen them at uh, conventions like Anime Week in Atlanta, heard some of their songs outside of, you know, the Nord community, but everything just seemed to kind of be building towards that Florida connection and everybody wanted to support each other and be there for each other so when Rob approached us and said hey I'm going to be doing this Nerdapalooza show at Tim and Terry's do you guys want to sign on we all said immediately yes yeah, of course, yeah. we decided we needed to write some new music and change up some of the songs to be more yeah. live friendly uh, but we actually recorded a, a, a brand new song. There was a natural progression show. throughout 2007, just to say on Matchstick <laughs> specifically, to become more and more hip-hop-ish and more and more live. Um, I had been at Tim and Terry's, and they were doing a, um, a benefit concert that was just all cover bands. And um, Tim and Terry's was the eventual location of the 2007 uh, Nerdapalooza, which was the first uh, Nerdapalooza that we, we ran in Florida, and I think might have been, I'm pretty sure it's the first one that we, we did overall, although, you know, asterisk, apparently. Um, let me uh, let me jump in quickly here and do my hostly duty, because there's been some confusion here, and there's even confusion on my part. Um, it, from your recollection, there was, in 2007, I, I understand that there was Nerdapalooza Beta, the Tim and Terry's one that was first billed as Nerdapalooza Southeast, and then there was a Nerdapalooza UK. Can you remember just quickly what order that's in before you go on to tell me how you did the Tim and Terry's show? The Tim and Terry's show was in August. I actually looked this up in advance of this interview because I'd frankly forgotten exactly which one was first, but I was right. Uh, we went first in August, and then like two weeks, three weeks later, I think it was, uh, sometime in September, was... Um, was the the one in California? I don't know the exact dates on the UK one. Honestly, I can't. I couldn't find a ton of information about it. Um, but then again, I didn't look that hard. Uh, that one was done with a lot less coordination. And dear listener, this is where I've got to jump in. Mark of the Sea here. I've got your back. We need to pay a little bit of attention to Nerdapalooza UK, and there's not a lot out there about the one that took place in 2007, so I reached out to Stephen Brunton and asked him to write me a short little piece so I could, you know, give you some information on it. Here's what he sent me back. Nerdapalooza UK took place in Delius Pub, Bradford, in the early summer of 2008. I, Stephen Brunton, slash B-Type, created the event, which, other than blessing to use the name and a little bit of shared promotional art, was completely independent of Nerdapalooza itself. The lineup consisted of Amy Can Fly, Super Powerless, Combat Dave, The Campanulas, Category, Dan Plus Ad, and Mr. B, known now as B-Type, not to be confused with Mr. B the Gentleman Rhymer. The event was small, but fun, free entry, and cost about 200 pounds to put on. And now, back to Rob Tobias. Hex and I, um... Well, Hex had been talking, kicking around this idea. Um, Hex being a, a, a big fan of the, the nerdcore scene, he'd been saying, you know, it'd be cool to put together this big show. So we got like four or five bands, I think, and um, threw together a relatively, you know, moderate-sized show out in California. And, um, you know, the people who went to it uh, said that they had a lot of fun. I actually don't think I've met many people aside from the actual performers and Hex himself who were at that show. So I don't really have a whole lot of like unbiased opinions on uh, unbiased, you know, stories from it. 
Um, but the one in Orlando, we had uh, God, like a dozen acts, and it went from I want to say like. 2 p.m. or 1 p.m. to like 2 in the morning. It was a marathon. It was a true marathon show in the way that Nerdapalooza would kind of become known for. And that, that my friend, is where I, I want to ask two important questions. Who played that first Nerdapalooza since you, you went back, looked at the dates, said this was the first one. Who played it? And who was your staff? Who was instrumental in putting this together? But also, just for our listener, say, in Topeka, who's never been to one of these shows, how did you end up doing a show under the name Nerdapalooza first when the cat in California comes up with the name? Because I think that's where a lot of confusion right. lies. No, that's, I think that is where a lot, a lot is lost. Um, I've always been a big believer in community. And um, I had talked to Hex and I said, you know, that's a pretty good name. Would you be opposed to the idea of sharing it? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. No, we should definitely do that. And uh, so the thought was, originally, we would have Nerdapalooza, California, Nerdapalooza, Southeast, Nerdapalooza, Topeka. We hear you out there, guy in Topeka. Um, so so that was the original Nerdapalooza, New York. Nerd, and the other one was, uh, we knew that there was a big nerdcore scene in Seattle. So we definitely discussed Nerdapalooza Northwest. Um, we, you know, we like the idea of franchising. No, to us, Nerdapalooza was an idea for a franchise. Um, I will, I will fully and freely grant that Hex came up with that name, and I'm not in any way taking credit for the name. Um, what I am taking credit for, though, uh, is the scope, um, and I'll also take credit for the fact that when I ran it, Nerdapalooza was a, a show that was completely driven by charity. I had both personal and professional reasons for wanting to do it that way. Um, and uh, I believe they kind of got away from that in the years after I, I left the organization, which, you know, fine. You, you step down, you don't have control over where things go. Um, you know, you have, it's like you put your baby out in the world and think it's gonna, your, your kid's going to be a rocket scientist and they decide to end up being a biochemist instead. And it's like, okay, well, that happened. But, you know, that's, that's where you go when you grow up. You don't always get control over those things. So you guys were all on the Rhyme Torrance forum. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you see Rob Tobias uh, putting those seeds together online? And uh, tell me about the presence that Hex had, because there had to be a catalyst where Hex is having this idea for a nerd music festival, yet it ends up happening in the southeast before he does his in uh, Humboldt County in California. Well, okay. So Hex just kind of showed up on the boards. Um, probably a little bit... I think about six months to maybe a year before 2007 Nerdapalooza happened. Um, he just kind of pretty much came on there and was just like, hey, I want to do this Nerdapalooza thing. Um, at the same time, I I'm going to mention this, Chozo was actually trying to do like a California show at the same time. Info, uh, it was called Info, I don't remember that, so it was Info, like Info yeah. 2K whatever year it was. Yeah, in whatever that was. But like, and Chozo had like these big, big plans about having everybody come out of California and have this awesome show. Chozo ended up backing off to be like, well, look, Tex is going to do it. We don't want to compete. Let's join forces, blah, 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 blah. So that's how that kind of... Not that Hex talks about Chozo much, but there was an alliance early on, and that's kind of how that got forged, because Chozo gave up his show and was just... Everybody was all on board for Chozo's show. But he's just like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Let's all focus on Nerdapalooza. So that kind of happened. Now, at the same time... 
So that's happening. Then there was the Atomic Garage show happened, and the you know, door party happened, all that stuff. March, April, May of 2007 yeah. was a whirlwind. Yeah. See, the big thing with, with the, the Rhyme Turns boards as far as shows being promoted, there was effectively two separate factions of people online, much in the way you had in uh, gangster hip-hop and, and rap back in the 90s. We had East Coast, West Coast. There was this huge push oh, of... Oh, that's right, the Southeast, Northeast. There, there was, there was, there was North, this inherent, was, unavoidable... Like tribalism today. It was, and it was funny because there was North, a uh, Northwest Nerdcore, which is primarily stationed out of Seattle. Washington and Seattle, and then there was Florida, literally just Florida, and there was these hilarious like fights and harassment and online trolling going on between primarily members of the Emergency Pizza Party and one of their friends, uh, MC Skagnetti, <laughs> and MC Router, who was actually in Texas, but some of her friends were up in the north northwest and there was like all these different things going on so when all of a sudden there became like this idea that there were shows going on in both coasts we all became very interested in who was having the bigger shows so it was actually pretty funny um there was a show that happened at comic-con and pax and we on as florida members of these groups uh looked at them and were like okay so what are they doing out there and it was kind of emboldening it to us to, to kind of flash forward a little bit that we saw that our the what we had here in Florida as a as a community and a scene seemed a little bit more on top of promoting and structurally getting people to come to our shows because the last nerdcore night which was the nerdcore artist showcase that happened after PAX after hours after PAX there that year they had it was a really poor turnout, which was kind of sad for some of our friends like Zealous One, who would later come out to uh, Nerdapalooza. But it was one of those things where I think everybody started seeing that whatever big hits there were on the West Coast, they were starting to fade, and Florida was definitely starting to look like the strong central point, at least for people talking about shows online shows. on the Rhyme Well, that's forward. the key thing there, yeah, is that the show live aspect of like, guess what, this isn't just internet-based or bound, it is happening in more venues. And there were shows being shown there, performances, um, but there was this kind of like, oh wow, I don't know if Florida has got their shit together, Florida has their stuff together, yeah. but there was this like, traction and energy showing there. There was some energy, yeah. And, um, EPP, you know, definitely members of it and, you know, Chozo and certain people were a lot more truly online. Who who started what, whatever, but you would see this kind of like, um, I would say beefy and router. Yeah, I'll even say it going back to then about a decade ago, both of them specifically were like, whatever about EPP. They had this particular crosshairs aspect to certain people in Florida. And that just kind of built up. So when we saw, when we started seeing other people showing that they were going to be doing shows and big shows, I don't know if there was anything in Rob's mind about, well, why can't we do that here and then show people what we can do? In my mind, as a member of Magitech and a performer in Florida, I specifically was like, yeah, look how much ass we're kicking. And look at how you guys—you always talk shit about us. I differ. But you can't. Me. But yeah. you can't get your shit together. I know. For me, for me, that was kind of a little bit of my ego starting to be like, we seem to have something going on, and they can't get their shit together to have a big show. Honestly, Rob, I remember talking about it at the time, and I'm sure he, you know, talked about it in his discussion, you know, here uh, with this podcast and everything. But he um, spoke a bit at the time. His pre projection about it was like, it seemed like a cool thing. That's a great name. It was a very unity-based, like, communal thing. Like, hey, can we use that here? 
and he was just like Hex was cool with it. That's what I remember hearing. It was time. it was the name. The name does have a very nice ring to it, and for promotional material, it, it definitely is like kind of a hallmark of like whenever he talks about Nerdapalooza, I feel a part of that is because Nerdapalooza as a name just sticks with you. And Rob is smart about wanting to attach something like that to his own show, even if them failing out west just means that it strengthens us even more. I don't know if competition was in his mind. I know in my mind and on some of the people's minds that were on the boards at the time, having a bigger show than those guys out west just meant that we were more, uh, that we were right and they were wrong, I guess would be the way, the way to look at it. You had asked like um, Rob's presence on the boards talking about drumming up Nerdapalooza, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it seems like this is such a hub of activity that mm-hmm. a lot of the information that wasn't just happening at house parties was probably happening online for all to see in the community. Well, actually, I mean, yes, there was some, and I was just honestly just looking back and trying to find some threads on it. There was some, but a lot of it was kind of local was discussions really between yeah. people and not public. It just, yeah, the fact that this is going on was public. Here's a flyer or two, here's the events, here's how it's coming together. But a lot more talk was active on the forums about Nerdapalooza West, honestly. The Southeast was just a given, but there weren't as many threads about it. There weren't as many posts about it. It just, when it happened, here it, it is. Just, it just happened and it was well organized. And you know, that doesn't always happen in public. That's a lot of the private messages, phone calls, things like that. That's kind of how it came together. It was more of a grass, it was yeah. felt like way more grassroots and a lot more sincere. And again, it was one of those things of solidarity from the community in Florida coming together once more to help make something really successful and really big. Um, as I said, it was a pretty grueling show, but we had Select Start, which was a string quartet or quintet or sextet or something like that. It was a it was a string, small string ensemble that did covers of video games. Uh, we had, I just okay, I got to remember all the names. It's this is this is always tricky for me because there were just so many performers there. Um, it was headlined by Zalus One. Um, High C was there as well. Um, he came in from out of town, and I believe. Those are our two big out-of-town names. Select Start was from, an or- from Orlando, which is only a couple hours down the road. Um, Emergency Pizza Party, uh, MC Rection, and Syrup were originally scheduled to have solo sets. I believe Syrup canceled his with short notice. Um, I did uh, two sets, if I recall correctly, or maybe one slightly longer set where I did some guitar stuff and I did some rapping. Crondor uh, Crew was there, Magitech was there. Um, Bushido Stylus, Ultra Laser, um, ooh, God, I don't know, there, it's been posted online, you can go look up the, the thing, um, Funky 49 also had a, and Red Void had a set as well. And you had Mega Ram. Oh, and Random, thank you, oh God, how did I forget Random? Random was relatively new at the time too, like, I didn't know Random all that well, but he had been, um, he had been kind of reached out to through, um, Oh man, I can't even remember all the names. It was honestly, and the reason for this is that show was a blur. My staff was basically me and a few other people here and there, but I I did pretty like most of the heavy lifting for 2007 myself, and uh, it was really successful. But yeah, I mean, I, it was never going to get bigger than that show in like a fairly small sweaty room with like maybe a hundred people it was not gonna like outgrow that without a lot of help and so i didn't try to do it all myself 
um, in 2008. I, I reached out to people. Um, I talked to Hex. Hex saw the success and the size and scope of our show. Let's put it this way. There's a reason I didn't move to California to do Nerdapalooza. There's a reason that Hex moved to Orlando to do Nerdapalooza. You know what I mean? Like, we... Um, we saw a lot of success in Florida and we realized that Gainesville, while we had like sort of access to a free venue that was really supportive and not particularly like financially driven, like Tim and Terry's was sort of a passion project for the owners who, by the way, I never met either Tim or Terry at any point, but they really just liked the idea of owning a cheap, shitty bar in a college town <laughs> and they embraced it. And for a cheap, shitty bar in a college town, it was a really good, cheap, shitty bar in a college town um you would have liked it too i honestly i'm bummed that you didn't we didn't know you all that well at the time because um the up entire upstairs of it was a vinyl shop folks i am that easy to read it's true we're gonna hear a couple of acts that actually played nerdapalooza 2007 first we're gonna hear select start doing the dungeon and legend of zelda title theme and then we're gonna hear zealous one doing the z Oh, 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 
that spell it spell zealous one my friend I can't help but make a track to explain this again from a brown eyed baby to the baby boy you see I've involved making moves like I'm slinging weight for free and for me that's a typical fact but some things never change and I won't look back hopelessly romantic since I came out the womb my little heart always seemed to find more room expand I grew along with my waistband unorthodox clumsy a walking face plant Love Lord never rehearsed and yet performed In a way of life that most seem to think deforms Cause I will never ever give up on my dream Why is that? Cause I will never stop until I live my dream Why is that? Cause when I look back on this life I made It will never ever be with shame What's my name? It's the Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E It's the Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E It's the Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E That spell, it spells a name I seem to recognize Like writing lyrics and I spit the words between the lines It redefines my life, recorded like a journal My words, my songs, my stories all become eternal When you piece it all together eventually You will see the life and journey of OD The million dollar smile and the silver tongue Love and pain on the air that seems to leave us long Far from an angel, but not quite the devil. Chill mode, he took cool up to the next level. Blow a kiss to the sky and peace she lies. Hugs for the man who wouldn't let me die. Now I'm back on track, I'm refocused on the grind. Naysayers in my path, but can't find my state of mind. Keeping up ain't happening, see? There ain't nobody catching up to me, cause it's the Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E. It's the Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E. Time is the whole purpose for the rhyme. He's in a little trouble because he fell a bit behind. The boy's got a smirk and he hit the rock bottom. The shine in his eyes show that stress ain't got him. My world's crumbling, but I'm still picking it. Disaster retaking, I'm cool, not tripping it. I learned to love, but let go what I protect. I give everything in the charm around my neck. Like I said, I've evolved, learned to play in the rain. I wouldn't be the man I am inside without the pain. The same can be said for the thoughts in my head. I replaced all anxiety with love instead, and that's that. Tidy hearsay with facts, still forever searching for what quality lacks. I love my life, it's a beautiful thing, cause one day we'll have the whole fucking world on a string. Sing. Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E, it's the Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E, it's the Z-E-A-L-O-U-S-O-N-E, it's the Tim and Terry's, if, if, if nobody's ever been there, I think they're closed now. But Tim and Terry's was a very intimate setting. They were kind of a... How to put this? They were kind of a, uh, a like a cafe-slash-hipster-ish um, beer uh, bar, I guess. They weren't really a bar. They were like kind of a sit-down area up front. Was it and a record store? There was also a little bit of a record store attached to it. It was yeah, a little the, bit of everything that you kind of imagine from a... 
uh, uh, like this I know because Rob told me about it earlier. He was like, Mark, I wish you could have played 2007 because it was a record store up front. You'd have never seen any bands. <laughs> it's, it's, so. <laughs> it's, but I mean, the the store had it. The this, the location, the venue had its own special charm to it as well as its own fallbacks, um, because the AC didn't work very well if it was working at all. So we were all kind of steaming, steamed up in there, and it's the end of August Oof. in Florida. Further inland than Orlando. Between the uh, actual entryway where the record store section was, the beer bar, and the actual uh, performing like open venue area, and then this little porch, collectively was together half of the comic shop part. Of <laughs> it was it was a very intimate location, and I remember we actually opened up the doors to the porch area, and because there was actually a little bit of a breeze coming in, it was a warm breeze. But that breeze was a lot colder and a lot and cooled us off a lot more than the AC unit was doing in the venue itself. I think they finally got things working by the end of the night towards when the sun went down and a select star was going to start playing. But it was um, it had its own it own its own uh, uh, challenges to, to a lot be in of there humidity. all day. A lot of humidity, a lot of bodies in there. There was probably I'd say throughout the day like seventy. At peak, there was like 70 people all slammed into the room for select start. But throughout the day, there was like 30, 40 people rotating in. A lot of artists sitting down watching each other perform. And um, But it was a very, very hot day in in, uh, in Gainesville. And smelled like nerd love in there. Smelled like nerd love. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great time, though. I remember just still sitting there and being like, man, I want to go just lay down and pass out. But High C is buying me all these beers, which is kind of helping. And I don't want to miss anybody. I don't. I remember we had to pick and choose when we had to leave, and I. I think I had. We left during Ultra Laser. No, I told we, well, you. Well, you stayed, but I think we Did went. I, I think, left at a point. I, we we left at a point to go get uh, Japanese. We went to get sushi. I remember very specifically we left the venue to go get sushi somewhere in Gainesville. Nearby. But I remember watching Ultra Laser. We. I think we came back at the very end of their set. Because I was like... It only plays two songs, so you no, probably yeah. thought that whole <laughs> It was probably right after. <laughs> it was probably right after, okay. But either way, I did. it was one of those things where you didn't want to leave, but then there wasn't a whole lot to eat at the cafe unless you like sandwiches, and we wanted sushi. That's just the way it went. Um, but yeah, Heisey was buying beers for everybody. Like, if you if you were without a drink, Heisey would come up and say, Hey, do you want a drink? Let me go buy you a drink. What are you drinking? And his set was freaking insane like to see high c get up there and perform like his crazy like death metal rap scene thing he was doing was yeah that was unexpected because i'd heard a couple of his more spoken word hip-hop and then the death metal aspect came yeah. in and i was like what um <laughs> seeing mega rand perform for the first time i had never heard mega rand uh, uh, random or well random because random beats he was still kind of on the fence if he wanted to pursue his Mega Rant persona as a performance because he wasn't sure if that was, uh, talking with him previously about it, legit hip-hop from outside sources coming at him to say, you need to drop this whole Mega Man stuff, blah, 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 blah. And it was right, I think, after that that he decided to pursue it fully during uh, Comic-Con a little bit afterwards where he was actually at the Capcom booth and stuff. He wasn't able to perform there, but I think he saw a lot of love from people who genuinely enjoyed his Mega Mega Man music. That seemed to happen a lot in 2008, like especially in 2008. But I first time I saw him perform, uh, absolutely performed one of my favorite songs and I always ask him to perform it every time he's in town, uh, grow up. And that was the first time seeing him perform anything and he made me an instant fan at that show. He wasn't even the headliner. We actually performed after Mega Ran. 
We performed after random. No, we never. Yeah, we did. Um, we, per- we, we, per- we performed at like six o'clock at night. He performed at around five. Actually, no, no. no. We performed more like four, and he performed. No, like we in the performed evening. in the evening. We performed before yeah. ECD. Two, two beats one. We man. did. We did, but we but, but Mega Ren performed earlier in the day. I don't think you're right. Why are we gonna get on these technicalities? <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying because Mega Ran at that point was not. He played he, after us. Pretty sure we performed after, but the idea is that. Random at this show was not the closer that he is now. Like he was just he was he was another He's person. He's not the, the closer. Mega Ran is what you're trying to say. But I gotta say it was entertaining watching the group <laughs> politics happen before yeah. my eyes. <laughs> but it was but anybody that was there it was it was like a showcase. And I remember Zealous One was actually one of the big headliners of the evening. Um, and seeing him perform was also really cool. I think they gave him two mics. I think and the joke was thrown out. I think Zealous was doing all the night. mics. Yeah. yeah. I think he did, and Kroner Crew went next to last or third to last. I can't. It's all a real blur, hot blur at that point. Yeah. But um. But yeah, it was uh. No, he he did because the bathroom was fixed by the time we performed. <laughs> the, no, bathroom. Bathroom. the bathroom. The bathroom, bathroom hadn't fiasco. broken yet. <laughs> okay, uh, so broken already. I've seen this alluded to in a couple of threads that were complaining about the last episode. Um, tell me about the Tim and Terry's bathroom. Jay and I shared a moment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Something happened in that bathroom. Um, all I know is that like Zealous One went into that bathroom, immediately came out, and he's like, yo dog, someone left a Pokemon in there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was right before Random set. And then, um, yeah, Random, what, you know what song that is? I could not tell you, okay. but... Random's got this song, and I, I, I feel bad not knowing the name of it, but... It was not him saying this, it was a sampled loop of something. He has, it's like, it's part of the chorus, he's like, it's a dirty job, but it must be done. But he said it at one point, like, as the guy from Tim and Terry's was walking into the room with, like, a mop (laughs) and a bucket. He's just like, a dirty job, but it must be done, and we knew what happened in that bathroom. (laughs) Alternate take, I remember it happening when the guy was walking out with the cleanings, but either way... Yeah. Yeah, it was just the timing was too perfect because I know Brandon was just doing his set, but the fact that that guy was walking in at that very moment, knowing what happened there. I laughed to myself, <laughs> and I think I turned to my right, and Jay's laughing to himself. We both look at each other like, oh my god. <laughs> that was yeah, great. That hey, let's hear Super Powerless with 120 seconds to save the world off the 20 sided rhymes compilation.
I, I gotta uh, interject here, even though I try to be pretty impartial as an interviewer, where um, a lot of the confusion came from me, especially going into previous interviews, was that I'd been told by numerous people that I had played every Nerdapalooza, so I already kind of had it in the back of my head that a lot of people didn't consider Nerd the Nerdapaloozas of 2007 to be the official start. And then I found out after we did the last one that it was, and that a lot of um, the folks that worked on it were like, hey, you're diminishing the foundation that I laid, and I went, yeah, you're Right, we are. I, but I didn't realize that everybody hadn't dismissed it. Well, you know, I don't take it personally. Look, man, I've, I've, you know, I got my day job. I have music that I'm making because I want to make it. I have my kids. I have, like, I have so much more legacy than Nerdapalooza. I mean, I, as much as I love it, I'm very proud of the fact of what we did. It was crazy. I mean, like, it was, it was a truly crazy, like. Uh, at 2008, um, Damien, uh, MC lot for those who know my name, that name, uh, Damien uh, pulled me aside and said, this is crazy. You know what you did is crazy, right? This is a crazy thing that you've done. And I was like, yeah, I, it is. I, I honestly, I'm, and at the time I was really stressed out and I was like, I, honestly, at this moment right now, I don't even know why I did it. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so stressed and trying to manage every single thing and keep this person out of that area that they're not supposed to be in and keep all the drugs out of the sound booth and you know it was just it was a it was such a blur that like I honestly like there's a reason that like when when we got to 2008 there was no real room for for me to take my short set at the end of the night um, which honestly I envisioned playing to a mostly empty I figured everybody would kind of be gone to their after parties. I didn't want to take a prime set during the day. And I just figured I'd play to the late night people who were hanging around. I just, I didn't, I underestimated how big of a draw people like, uh, you know, Harry and the Potters or, or uh, MD Frontalot. I, I underestimated how packed that venue was going to be. But we wound up with this extra slot at the end. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I can perform in my stuff in my own show. I don't know. I wound up doing like, I think one song um, called Pink Sock, which is pretty gross, but it was and kind infamous. of a song that I'd done from Rhyme Torrent. Yeah, yeah, but um, I sometimes regret having named that song that thing because every so often I'll like be picking up my kids' laundry and I'll find a yeah. Right. So I, <laughs> then my wife will smirk at me and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so anyway, the point is that uh, I wound up taking this weird slot that I had originally planned and then everything was just running behind. Um, we had just an incredible staff in 2008 and I honestly I, I, I mean I want to call out a few, few people like Nick Carmen uh, who just absolutely busted his ass um, there were just so many people though that if I but if I like tried to name everybody who made 2008 a success I this I'd have to go back and refer to notes because I'd feel bad about missing people the point is that everybody who worked on 2008 should feel proud about it and um, I understand and I, ultimately that's the thing I get why people think 2008 was the first Nerdapalooza. It was certainly the best promoted. It was promoted nationally as opposed to statewide. That was the point at which we realized, okay, this franchising thing isn't going to work. We're going to make like the it a fixed show. So I think there's there's arguments on both sides. I um, I know Eric, uh, Eric Wright, Chozo Nimpo. Uh, he was a guy, oh man, if there's anybody I got a name drop who like made 2008 happen quietly, like honestly, that was a big part of it too. I didn't want to make 
Nerdapalooza, the Rob Tobias show. Like I deliberately tried to not use it as a self-promotional tool. Um, and Eric uh, Chozo, he uh, he he's still running Orlando Nerd Fest, and I don't I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of people who didn't know that because he doesn't make it all about himself. And that level of selflessness is just truly impressive to me. And the reason that I named Eric in this is because Eric basically financed 2008. Like not, I won't say single-handedly, but like three-quarters handedly did the bulk of the heavy financial contribution. He had gotten a settlement of some sort from an insurance check, and he basically just signed the whole damn thing over to us and said, throw in there to Palooza. And uh, without him, we would not have gotten, um, we we definitely wouldn't have gotten front a lot. We probably would not have gotten random. We probably would not have gotten Whitey, and I don't think we would have gotten, oh God, well, probably Harry and the Potters. I mean, we had to we had to go a little bit out of our way to get them. Uh, we managed to catch them when they were on tour, and uh, they were kind enough to do the show for free. But it still required a lot of logistics. So um, yeah, it was you know just man, we we couldn't have done it without him. Um, I was always a big believer in keeping shows revenue neutral or positive, and never going into too much debt if you didn't know you couldn't pay the debt. It was at this point that I asked Rob a little bit about, you know, Aftermath and how he views things now. Yeah, I mean, after 2007, I mean, frankly, I went back to my, uh, my at that point, I'd been in the process of already moving to, to Orlando. I mean, I moved from Gainesville to Orlando, and one of the key motivators in that was wanting to do, like, this is the day after 2007. Uh, actually, it might have even been before. Uh, we did the show for 2007. I think I moved, um, but I, yeah, because yeah, it would have been because I went back to my empty apartment where uh, Bo was crashing, one was crashing, and um, I was just like, "Shit, man, that was insanity." I, I honestly spent my time that night alone, um, just kind of lost and and thought about it and what we could do the next year, and um, it's crazy to me how much it's grown. And while you know, I. I feel good about the fact that I helped plant the seed, uh, you know, for the success of nerd music in, in Florida. I don't think that that makes me a gardener. Um, it just makes me a guy who dropped a seed somewhere. But I think my favorite recollection from Nerdapalooza 2007 actually came from Thugmaster J from Magitech before the doors had even opened for Nerdapalooza 2007 in Florida. I, this is kind of a cool moment. like. Before the show even happened, before like the doors even opened, all the bands were just kind of like sitting there in the room. And Rob's just like, this is so great, we're all together. I hope this is like a yearly thing that we keep doing. And like, everybody's just like, who just met each other, you know what I mean? Or like, don't know each other very well. We're just in this room together, we're about to play live, it's gonna be this awesome show with all these bands. And we're just like, yeah, this is such a cool thing. We can't wait to do this again next year, even though this year hasn't even started yet. Wow. And it's just, it's, it was just a really powerful moment. Just like sitting here with Zealous One, I, I never met in person before until 10 minutes ago, and we talked about Street Fighter. And then like this happens, just like, yeah, this is my brother. We're going to do this together. It's cool. So there we go. That's a good portion between this episode and the last episode of the recollections, the story of the early days of the Nerdapalooza Music Festival. And as you can hear within 
the difference in recollections, sometimes even within the groups themselves, nobody's really got the same story. There's really no right way to tell it yet, unless you talked to every single person that attended, every single person that performed, every single person that lifted a finger to make it a reality. But the truth is that if Nerdapalooza 2007 hadn't happened, in California, in the Southeast, and in the UK, a lot of the roots for what we're doing here with Nerdy FM wouldn't even exist. We owe a thank you to everybody who performed and made that scene what it is. It may look drastically different from every single person's perspective, but it mattered, and it continues to matter. If you'd like to support more Nerdy FM episodes, please visit nerdyshow.com slash Patreon. Find out how you can support this and other fine geek programming. I'd like to give a shout out to Magitech for dropping by and talking about what they remember from those early days. Big shout out to Rob Tobias for helping out. Um, actually, shout out to Chozo Ninpo for... Uh, kind of pointing me in the right direction for who I should maybe talk to to get other sides of the story. As long as somebody's out there making nerd music, the story's never going to be complete either. We're going to end today's show with a track about something that I think we can all agree on. And sure, listen, I'm not going to go into spoilers here, but if you were alive at the end of 2017, you know that one hot-button issue was The Last Jedi. Oh man, divisive, polarizing, doesn't even begin to cover it. But we can all agree that Leia Organa friggin' rules. And here's a song about Leia Organa set to the tune of the Beatles' Lady Madonna by Palette Swap Ninja. I've been Mark with a C. We're going to return Nerdy FM to its normal programming with our next episode. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time, my friends.
tongue Down on Endor rebels are defending Run Ewoks run They are Organa Hero to the end Sorry that your son turned into Kylo Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.